In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. During this time of prolonged sequestering, I imagine most of us have created some rituals or schedules or outlets to help us manage our situation. I myself have been utilizing several. On most days, I take long walks. And Russ and I have been part of a weekly socially distanced happy hour with a few other couples, which has been lovely. But one of my favorite mental health activities is a weekly online bridge game with my girlfriends. A shout out to Sissy, Harriet, and Cindy for helping to keep this extrovert sane during our time of isolation. The four of us gather every Friday afternoon to play a couple of hours of bridge online. Harriet has set us up on a conference number so we can talk and visit as we play. I want you to picture this. We all get on our computer at 3 o'clock, coming in from whatever else we've been doing. We make our conference call and log in. We sign into the Bridge app. And as soon as we're all in the app, the first hand is automatically dealt. Not only that, but the website gets a little impatient with us. If we don't bid fast enough, it kicks the guilty party off the table, and we have to sign them back in. All of this means that the first couple of hands we play are messy, not our best efforts. We've taken to referring to them as the first pancake of the batch. You know it's gonna be a mess, but you have to get through it to get to all of the good pancakes. I thought of this because it appears to be how Jesus begins his teaching in parables. In this 13th chapter of Matthew, Jesus runs through seven, count them, seven parables. He gives an explanation for the first parable of the sower, which we looked at last week. And he gives an explanation for the second parable, the one we're looking at today. These are the last parables that Jesus explains. It's almost as if he is giving us some practice parables for us to get our minds and hearts around before he starts rapidly feeding us all those other parables. He's helping us to get into the rhythm of interpreting and being encountered by his parables. I think at this point, it would be fair to admit that I don't hold to a single interpretation of a parable. Scripture is the living word of God. We need to leave room for the Holy Spirit to come in and make it real right here and now. That means that the message for us at any given time might be different than the point-by-point -point explanation in this passage. I can't tell you how many times different folks have talked to me about a sermon that spoke to them, and they gleaned very different messages from the very same sermon. This is the grace and mystery of Holy Scripture. It meets us where we are and creates that space where we might choose to step in and draw closer to God, to know God more. In today's parable, a sower sows seed in his field. During the night, an enemy sows weeds or tares, as we traditionally said in this passage, in the field. The workers come to their master and ask, did you not sow good seed? Where did all these tares come from? The sower answers, an enemy has done this. 
And the workers ask, do you want us to gather them? And he replies, no, for in gathering the tares, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the reapers, collect the tares first and bind them to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. When the disciples ask, Jesus explains that the wheat are the children of the kingdom and the tares are the children of the evil one and that there will be no separating or weeding until the end of the age. From the earliest days of the church, Christians have struggled to understand how to deal with the reality that there are those in the church who are unchristian. The Donatists, a break-off group way back in the 4th century, claimed that the church needed to be purified and that sacraments performed by clergy who had previously denied their faith under persecution were invalid. Augustine most famously addressed this, saying, The church is made up of wheat and tares, saints and sinners, until the end of time. He said the visible church is the church on earth, and the invisible church is the gathering of the faithful known only to God. The church is a mixed body. At any given moment, the church has members who are acting privately and or publicly in very unchristian ways. They're not reflecting Christ's love and goodness. They're not living out the vows they have made to the people they love. They are working the system in shady ways for their own benefit. They're more focused on self than on God and others. This reality is a major stumbling block for lots of folks who have decided that church is just not for them. They have decided to check the box marked spiritual but not religious and to swear off organized religion. Unchristian is a book based on a Barna survey of young people and their views on Christianity. It lists the main reasons the non-churched give for rejecting church. And hypocrisy, the fact that folks at church don't live lives that match what they proclaim, is one of the most common reasons given. Their complaint is absolutely true. Because just like the people who comprise it, the church is fallen. As Dear Abby famously said years ago, the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. The church is uniquely indwelled by the Holy Spirit and is Christ's chosen means for furthering his work in the world. But it is still not fully redeemed. The church is full of saints and sinners, wheat and tares, and we will grow together doing our best to witness to God until all things are consummated at Christ's return. God allows the tares to grow with the wheat because he doesn't want to do anything that might hurt the wheat. He wants to give the wheat every chance to flourish and grow to maturity. He wants to protect it. That is not our initial reaction. 
Our first impulse is to grab a hoe and an industrial-sized bottle of Roundup and get after those weeds. We know how destructive weeds can be, and we want them out of here. But one cannot always tell about these plants. Tares refers to bearded darnel, which is a weed that looks just like wheat. In fact, it's known as false wheat. Well, we might like to think we know a tear when we see one. We might be wrong. And we are reminded in this parable that it is not our job to eliminate them. A lot of the ugliness in our current environment is due to our desire to judge and eliminate those pesky tears. We are quick to judge political parties, social movements, our in-laws, the shopper in our checkout line, and the guy driving in front of us. We can find comfort in knowing that even Jesus' disciples struggled with this desire to judge and eliminate tares. In Luke, James and John get their nose out of joint because they think a Samaritan village through which they're traveling isn't showing Jesus enough respect. They've decided these dreaded Samaritans are tares. They ask Jesus, hey, do you want us to call down some fire from heaven to consume them? And Jesus rebukes them. Now, rebuking is not politely saying, no, but thanks for thinking of me. Rebuking is chastising. It is boxing their ears. It is flicking their forehead. Their instinct to judge is thoroughly rejected by Jesus. This parable of the wheat and tares challenges us to resist easy judgments that demonize and dehumanize others. This doesn't mean that we are indifferent to the tares among us. The tares are endured, perhaps managed. But to be under God's sovereignty is to be patient, to wait for the harvest, and to struggle in love for the well-being of the whole community. We do this by focusing on and tending and nurturing the good plants, that which brings glory to God. And the way we're able to live into this is by imagine, imagining everyone as belonging to God. The reason it's so important for us to come to a place of peace about the tares growing among us until God deigns to address them is this. The tares aren't just out there. They are in here. Each of us is a mix of saint and sinner, of wheat and tares. We have both goodness and hardness of heart. And the mix changes from day to day. The wheat and tares grow together within us, and one is used by God to help us be stronger in the other. Our weakness and sin make us more compassionate in the face of the sin and brokenness of others. Our lack of wheat purity keeps our hearts softened and humble. It protects us from judging others as tares. 
And our inability to weed ourselves helps us to appreciate our dependence on God's grace to heal us and form us into the people he's created us to be. Yes, there are tares among us. But in the end, doesn't this parable give us a beautiful and hopeful image? That in us which is not of God will be eliminated. That in us which is good will remain. Our impediments will be removed and we will be perfected in Christ. We may have to grow a little crooked, a little awkwardly to accommodate the tears in our life, but we will still get to the harvest. God will take our weediness from us so that only that which is good remains. Our weakness and addictions, our smallness and pride, our anger and envy, all will be burned away. And then we will be gathered in to our Father's storehouse. Amen.